0: are locked on wildcats your daily podcast on the arizona wildcats part of the locked on podcast network your team every day happy thursday everyone and thanks for keeping it locked on wildcats as my friend john schuster would say is this thing on so we've got right now we are going to talk some phoenix suns Mm. basketball and you know what we are three games away from the first championship in Phoenix Suns history. And you know what? Take it for what it's worth. I'm calling my shot. I think the Phoenix Suns are going to win this series and we're going to basically rehash what our conversation was last night, which we should have charged people for Schuster. But I called you last night and I said, you know, just watching that first game and you'll get into why you don't necessarily agree with this, but with just watching that first game. The Suns
1: looked like a better basketball team than the Bucs. I I, I think there's a lot to be. Certainly when you come out with the W, um, that puts you in a good place. And the Suns looked really good. Maybe Milwaukee's going to have some mismatch problems in this game. I'm not entirely convinced about that. And frankly, I think Milwaukee's going to win game two. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'm going to sidetrack and tangentiate before we get into the bulk of what we're going to discuss. Because when there's an opportunity to rant about journalism mm-hmm. in general mm-hmm. i i have a tendency to enjoy doing it mm-hmm. Before this series, it seemed like most of the stuff that I came across was the Bucks were the better team, the Bucks were going to win. Mm-hmm. Then after last night, <laughs> I haven't found a single thing that said. Basically, they sound like Sun, uh, the sports media now sounds like Sons and Four guy. Right. Okay. It's just there's no question. Without being nearly as cool. It's over. Without being nearly as cool, or uh, yes, delivering blows in such a way. It is it one of the sheer annoyances to me in modern sports journalism is the 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 what-just-happened-and-that-is-the-end-all-be-all-of-everything mentality. Yeah, prisoner-of-the-moment approach to sports journalism drives me absolutely bonkers, And, and it is in full display. Uh, right now. So before the series, a lot of the stuff I was coming across said, yeah, Milwaukee's probably gonna win in six. Now it's like, well, if the Suns could win this thing in two and a half games, they probably would. So, you know, if if Milwaukee wins game two, and I think there's reason to believe they could, uh, would you then I can't to me wait. that they will then I can't you know there's a possibility that I will suggest to you, Mike Luke, and the many slightly less than millions of listeners who are paying attention to this specific Locked On podcast, that uh, I suggest there is is reason to believe that uh, Milwaukee will win game two, I give myself a 50-50 chance on that one because if they don't, then the other team will. You're- but nevertheless, um, the game one obviously went very well for Phoenix, and and I think understandably, you feel good about where the Suns stand, how they played, how they looked, and maybe some of the mismatches that uh, could be created as and, a result. And you and I were talking about
0: this last night, and I think the thing, though, the, I guess the reason that I'm more... I, I try not to overreact if a team makes 15 three-pointers, because you're probably not going to do that the next game. And you correctly pointed out at, Chris Paul's probably not going to get your 30 points again. I get that. But it was the ease in which the Suns got a lot of these buckets. I mean, you and you pointed it out that DeAndre Ayton finished with 22 points and 20 rebounds. Essentially, that felt like it was in about the third, basically all in about the third quarter. Right. But nothing that he did, nothing that Paul did. I mean, Paul was, it wasn't like Paul was making ridiculous shots from 35 feet. Now, again, I don't think that he's going to score 30 a game, but I think the template is basically here in that if you are if you're the Phoenix Suns and you can Deandre Ayton's stat line can somewhat mimic Giannis's stat line I don't think the Bucks have a chance in this series. Now, you need I will say this, if you're a Bucks fan, you're going to be excited cuz I thought Giannis physically looked pretty good. I thought he was moving around well for a guy that you were c- concerned whether he was going to play or not. Yes, but and we've talked about it before, and I think this is kind of an overused term in sports. There is a little bit of that it factor for the Suns, where if it's close, you kind of feel like the Suns are somehow going to pull that game out. And I think a lot of that has to do, too, with the quality depth that they do have. And you pointed this out last night on the phone. The Suns bring in guys off the bench who could play. I mean, you're bringing in guys, and you've got a rotation of guys like a Mikel Bridges, a Cam Johnson, guys who are... Not miscast out there at all, whereas it seems like the bucks have about six players.
1: and it does feel that way. Yes, the suns are deeper and that's good. Uh, generally speaking, when it comes to series seven game series, the, to me, there is game one is the punch, game two is the counter punch. And we're gonna talk. And about by them. game three, yeah you, you have a pretty good idea what everybody's gonna do. And once you get to that point, as far as Game 3 is concerned, then the better team usually prevails because they have more in the arsenal Mm -hmm. to move through. The Suns punched first Mm -hmm. in Game 1. I expect Milwaukee to counterpunch effectively in Game 2, and then we're going to find out what happens once we get to Game 3.
0: So is this basically to use a fighting analogy? Is this basically a Floyd Mayweather that I'm going to basically let you punch me for the first rounds, or of Muhammad Ali, let you see kind of what you have in the tank, and then I'm going to adjust, and then you know what? After I adjust, and we're going to figure out who the best team is in game three. It's a
1: good that, that that's a I good effort. Good, right? now, is yeah. that the effort you're going with? Yeah, I think. Well, I just I just did. You, yeah. you, you really did, but it was right. off the it was off the cuff there. Oh well, yeah, well majority of well, the majority you can work on it and try. That's yeah, yeah, so. true. and you can try to improve upon it if you want a little for bit sure. later on. Down the line, that's okay. But yeah, generally speaking, I think all these series, once you get to game three, you know. Game two to me, and, and if you went to and I've I, I've looked at this over the course, yes, over the course of the last eight or nine years, I've kind of looked at this. My favorite bet is to bet for the team that lost game one uh-huh. in game two. And over the course of the last eight or nine years, doing that simple thing in the NBA playoffs will always net you money. And I'll
0: tell you one thing, though. The one thing that you might want to do is you might want to go to betonline.ag with that because right now, if you can get the bucks at a slight underdog, and you know what? You could maybe go money line, or if you know what? You're listening to this, and you're like, man, Mike and Shue are on something. You know, Giannis looked pretty good, or you know what? DeAndre Aiden just had a really good third quarter, and that was about it. I don't think he's going to replicate that. Betonline.ag has you covered, and they have you covered in every single realm. One other thing you might want to keep an eye on, too, is that Coach Shaw, miller was at the game against with the phoenix suns and the milwaukee bucks and you know what he looked like he was in a pretty good mood watching the game you don't generally don't hear coach Miller smile and i think a big reason why is because he's probably caught on to rockauto.com and you know what I doubt Coach Miller flew up there. Maybe he did, who knows? But I will say this, he strikes me as a guy that probably has an expensive car, and you know what? The best way to be able to beat those overpriced mechanics is rockauto.com, as you have so eloquently put on the uh,
1: Sean Miller looks to me like a guy who does his own auto repairs. So he goes to rockauto.com, he uh, figures out what it is he needs, checks out the YouTube video, doesn't need the YouTube video, because he's all DIY. He goes underneath the engine. Breaks it down, you know. I don't know if he got there with the Audi, the Mercedes, the BMW, possibly the Lambo. He may have rented the Lambo. Lambos are expensive to fix, but but it was done to go- class. Yeah, but if you go to RockAuto.com, you're going to get parts for all of that. So whatever car he happened to have that was available, he could have fixed it on the spot. Had that engine finely tuned, and that's one of the many reasons he was able to brave I-10 traffic and see the Suns knock off Milwaukee and his beloved DeAndre Ayton with the victory in Game One. Thanks for keeping it locked on Wildcats.
0: I'm your host, Mike Luke. All right, I wanted to talk to you a little bit shoo, about Chris Paul and kind of one of the things that I think annoys me and I don't know exactly how this came about, but I think it definitely came about in the Jordan era is that as re- as championships being an end all be all for basically anybody's resume. Now, we ta- I'll give you an example. Magic Johnson has five championships. Larry Bird has three championships. Does anybody in their right mind, Laker fan or Celtic fan, say, well, I mean, well, Magic was clearly 40%, 40% better, better than, than Larry, Larry Bird. Bird. That, no, that nobody really thinks like that. And I think what people have kind of... Talked about Chris Paul, his entire career. You know, like is he really a winner? This or that? And now all of a sudden, if he wins a championship, now all of a sudden it's boom. Well, he's obviously a winner now. You know, the last so the last 14 years we questioned whether he was a winner or not. I'd, I've never understood where that mentality comes from. That okay, and yes, championships are important. I'm not. I'm not looking to diminish. I'm not looking to diminish that. But if Chris Paul is to play like, let's say Chris Paul plays like this for, or not maybe not quite like that, but let's say that he's vintage Chris Paul yeah. for seven games. Mm-hmm. And you know what? The Suns lose in seven games. Do you think any less of Chris Paul because he doesn't have a championship in Absolutely not. In this? And, but no, but that's, and I, and I don't understand where that mentality comes from.
1: I really it's don't.
0: A, it's a fan...
1: Uh, God, I, 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 with with deference to many of the folks listening to the podcast as it's going to sound worse than I mean it to sound. Let's well, shoot. Fans have a tendency to be black and white, yes and no, absolute live in the world of absolutes. Winning a championship is a world of absolutes. So, if you go in watching that mentality and and in fairness I think a lot of the sports media does the same thing. They fall into Oh, 100%. 100%. I bitched about them in the first segment. I can bitch about them Mm -hmm. in the second segment, too. They fall under this category as well. They're the one who are perpetuating the myth that Chris Paul isn't very good because he hasn't won a title. Mm -hmm. They're the one who perpetuated the myth that Barkley isn't elite because he didn't win a title. Or that Malone wasn't elite because he didn't win a title. You and I know that's stupid. Most of the people listening to the podcast know that's stupid. Mm -hmm. But it still perpetuates itself as a result of not being able to attain the ring. There are a lot of reasons that go into that. A lot of things that you can't help. I remember Pat Riley 35 years ago saying in the era of Jordan, you know, there are a lot of great Hall of Fame players who never won a title because Mm -hmm. of that guy. Right. That doesn't diminish who they are. It's just just how it was. Right. And, And up until this point, to some degree, not entirely, but to a large To a large degree, a lot of this was out of Chris Paul's hands for reasons that were beyond his control. Whether you're on a bad
0: team, you get hurt, there's really... Now, I think it does help. Like, you think about it, and a guy that I think is probably the easiest comparison when you're looking at stylistically is probably Isaiah Thomas as far as just kind of the body type, the game, this and that. Now, it definitely helps Isaiah Thomas when you're talking about him that he has those kind of virtuoso moments in the NBA Finals. You know, the... The third quarter or the fourth quarter, where he's playing on the really the sprained ankle and he scores like twenty six points, whatever the case may be. So, so that certainly that certainly helps. But let's say that Isaiah Thomas doesn't have a game or a performance like that, or one that you just really mm-hmm. sit
1: back. Do you think less of Isaiah? Let me, Thomas? Give you, let me give you a different. No, I don't. Let me and, and 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 I think history. The guy who I think would be a really interesting documentary subject is Isaiah Thomas, mm-hmm. who went from being beloved to despised Mm -hmm. so dramatically, and history hasn't forgiven him yet.
0: For something that's that's fairly, in the grand scheme of things, it's pretty benign. benign. I'm sorry, you walked off the court. That sucks.
1: It's really fascinating how he has never been forgiven, and I'm now not even sure that people know why they don't like Isaiah Thomas. Right, But they don't. To me, the Chris Paul par- comparison I would go with instead, Paul reminds me more of Steve Nash than he reminds me of Isaiah Thomas because of the way that he utilizes his angles on the floor mm-hmm. and the way that he gets mid-range jumpers and can run the pick and roll as well as he mm-hmm. does. He looks like Nash okay. to me in the way that he put. And Nash maybe is a better example because Nash, Nash never won a title. Mm-hmm. So is Nash a terrible player?
0: No. <laughs>
1: of course he isn't. I think,
0: you know what it is, if Nash... And neither is Paul.
1: Right, for sure.
0: And I think when you look at, when I, when I think of a guy like Steve Nash, I think of a guy that, you know, basically... (sighs) Steve Nash is an all-time great, no doubt about it. Steve Nash is also, there were times when I'm watching Steve Nash and I'm like, dude, you could have tried a
1: little bit harder on that end of the court. <laughs> Actually, I, and and, and you, I think you make an interesting point. I think the point you're getting to, and I apologize for stepping on you here, mm-hmm. is that Nash was a defensive liability and that hurt the Suns in late game possessions. No doubt. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. Whereas Paul may not be that. Right, you know? right. But generally speaking on the offensive end, when I see Paul and the Fair way enough. he runs his offense, Fair I enough. see similarities to Nash okay. on that side of the floor. And in the end, we're probably not going to talk about Paul the great defender if the Suns win the title. We're going to talk about how Paul was able to run the offense and get the Suns more points. Mm -hmm. One thing that I will
0: say, though, that is very impressive, though, is, and I, I want to steal a point from the great Kendrick Perkins on ESPN, when he said, if you do get this title if you're the Phoenix Suns, this feels... This, this, almost fe- this almost feels like a more fulfilling title than we've seen in recent years in the NBA, now you could say, because all these other titles, <clears throat> excuse me, were basically formed with great players joining each other. And, you know, whether that was with the Heat, whether that was the Warriors, the Lakers, it almost seemed like when this confluence of events occurred that yes, well, one way or the other, barring injury, you're probably gonna stumble into a title. This feels far more 1990s-ish if that makes any sense, that Chris Paul goes there to the Suns. And sure, people think you'll be better. You just added Chris Paul. But this championship, in a weird way, I think is maybe even more fulfilling and I think probably will mean more to a guy like Chris Paul than maybe a couple of Durant's championships on the Warriors where it basically, like I said, it was – it
1: was almost predestined that you were going to win those. This, to me, is closer to the Dallas Nowitzki time. I agree, hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. And, and you you look at them and you don't like. like yeah, the, I think it's When a the great Warriors comparison. won, mm-hmm. you're like, "Holy crap, that could be the next dynasty." Mm-hmm. When whatever lo- James's team, James is on a team, you say, "Oh crap, that could be the next dynasty." The Suns don't look like a dynasty. The Suns look like a placeholder. I hope I'm wrong. Right. Uh, and they have I a they have a center who is going to get zero publicity for being a 2020 guy and dominate the inside for the next 10 years. Mm -hmm. Because nothing he does is flashy, which, as far as I'm concerned, is great. Uh, But, nevertheless, and that's kind of something I want to get to, too, but I feel like they are more the Dallas title, just get that damn title. You know what they are? Feel good about it for the fans, and then take your chances. You know what they are? Yes, I think that's a
0: perfect comparison. You know what I also feel that they're a little bit like? And this is probably a bad comparison, but those later on spurs teams where you know what you want a title once every like five years and it's kind of like a blip in there mm-hmm, right. You're like oh the spurs won oh, one. No, that's right they? but yeah. there was just nothing overwhelming about it but you just knew okay and i'm thinking you know like when a guy like tim duncan retired retired and he's got his five championships or whatever I'm, I'm gonna weight those
1: a little bit higher than you know some p- other people i it's think two yeah isn't it weird the spurs won five titles in 15 years and nobody ever considered them a dinosaur never Never. Meanwhile,
0: the Lakers win 5 and you're like, "Oh my gosh, is this is the, the greatest dynasty in the history the greatest, of basketball." You know, uh, yeah, it's, it's just bizarre seen.
1: how things are perceived. And one of the things about the Suns that I like to see in game 1. This is a Wildcat Basketball podcast to a large degree. When basketball we threw season comes name up twice. We did. It. But during the season, you're going to talk a lot about mm-hmm. the Tommy Lloyd era, the players on the team Tommy breaking Lloyd. down all of those, I don't know, if you know who that is Tommy that may be the uh, new coach of Arizona basketball. Uh, but one of the things we talk about in those conversations, it almost sounds like junior high basketball. Mm-hmm. We talk about the importance of fundamentals, about not turning the ball over, about making your free throws, about uh, p- about. Uh, good scouting. Mm -hmm. In the NBA, you never talk about that. In the NBA, you talk about that guy's great. He's good in the one-on-one. They're going to shoot three-pointers. I like that fantastic play, that amazing dunk, that ridiculous Mm 40-footer. It's an entirely different strategic conversation. No doubt. But the Suns in game one did all of the little junior high fundamental things to get the win. They were perfect from the foul line. Literally. (laughs) They're scouting (laughs) on defense they realize, you know what? The Bucks hold the ball low, and the Bucks hold the l- ball low, strip it. Mm-hmm. How many steals did they get in Game One? A lot, and that gave them extra possession opportunities. The Suns are better than Milwaukee in transition. That's something that benef- that bodes well for them. They, uh, you know, they didn't turn the ball over. There were little things that they did throughout the course of that game that gets no publicity at all, but it's how you were supposed to play the game in junior high, and then high school, and then college to make yourself a lot of money once you got to the pros. None of that gets any flash. None of that gets any attention whatsoever. And it played a huge role, if not the major role, in the reason that the Suns won game one. One thing that you also
0: might want to remember too, is that if you are going to watch this game and you are going to be doing this from home, you should be taking care of at home. At home gives you the best cutlery possible. and We know John Schuster is a guy that doesn't go out to eat. John Schuster cooks at home. And John Schuster is not on to at home yet, but they- Yeah, bre- he is. Are, are you really? I can
1: tell you anything you want to know about at well, home. Then, then I seat the floor. Yeah, that's that, that you, yeah, if you go, absolutely. They are one of the top companies in in home goods at home is the company to go to Mm -hmm. when you want to find your material that's it and they have locations all over the place they have over 200 locations now they're going to expand into 600 locations over the course of the next year or two this is this is absolutely a company that you want to get behind their rewards program is outstanding, it's among the best in the business. And and one of the things that they like about their rewards program is that people who are part of it are loyal to it. And if you're a customer who goes there, you're gonna understand why that loyalty is in place. And with the housing market, the way things are right now, and you still trying to figure out what in the world are we doing post COVID? I have a lot of time on my hands. At home, absolutely ballooned in the last year as a a result of people making home improvement. You want to go to one location to get the stuff that you need to improve your home, at home is the place to do it. For John Schuster, I'm Mike Luke. You're listening to Locked On Wildcats.